Hey, I want to thank you for tuning in to Press On. I pray that this podcast encourages you, enriches you, and inspires you to press on towards the cause of Christ. Why don't you visit me over at AaronRios.com and consider partnering with me so we can push this ministry forward. Pick out your favorite podcast, share it on social media, visit me at Apple or Google, write a quick review. Let's get this podcast out there. Let's get the hope of the gospel to as many listeners as possible. Welcome to Press On with Aaron Rios, lead pastor of Garden City Church, located in Beverly, Massachusetts. We pray that you are enriched, challenged, and inspired to press on towards the cause of Christ. Hey friends, I wanna welcome you back to season three of Press On. I'm so grateful that you've decided to tune in. Over the next several episodes, we're gonna take a journey and we're gonna talk about fire. This is a theme the Lord placed on my heart quite some time ago, and I've realized as I've meditated on it that this message and this theme isn't just for me. I believe we're in a season of testing, refining, and being proved for what God wants to do in the coming days, weeks, months, and years. But before we can walk in the blessing, before we can experience the next level of what God wants to do, the vessel has to be prepared. So I believe we've gone through a season of formation, but the next thing that happens after the pot has been shaped, it's gotta go into the, to the kiln in order for it to be ready for what the vessel will then carry. Oh, if the devil could rob you of one thing in particular, I believe it's the passion. I believe it's the fire. Have you gone through a season where you're feeling drained? You don't feel inspired? You don't feel passionate or hungry or thirsty for the things of God? I believe God's getting ready to turn it. And I'm praying by the end of this episode, even today, that something would be sparked in your life and that the fire of God would return. Oh, how we need a visitation, a historic visitation, like the days of old, except I don't wanna live looking back saying the glory days are behind me. I don't wanna look back and just remember what God did. I wanna live with an inspiration and I wanna live with an anticipation of what God is getting ready to do in the coming days. Would you walk with me? Would you be unified in vision? with me for what God is getting ready to do by faith in Jesus name I'm believing it look today we're gonna begin by talking about the character and the nature of God and then how that really pertains to fire because I believe one of the things that is lacking is the awe and the wonder and the splendor for God we've become so casual with God haven't we it's as if we treat him like he's a casual friend that we can high-five him and sling him a drink and slap him on the back how we need to stand in awe and wonder of God once again. I want to look at two verses really quick. Exodus 19:18. It briefly says that Mount Sinai was in smoke because God descended upon it and set it ablaze and it looked like a furnace and even the entire mountain shook and quaked violently. Get that mental picture real quick. The power, the wonder, the splendor, the awe of who God is. Now, we can scroll over to Deuteronomy 4:24. And you'll find these words that are again repeated in the book of Hebrews. It says that our God is a consuming fire. Now, when you find that phrase in Deuteronomy, God is speaking in the context regarding idolatry. How dare you worship anything or anyone else? Do you not know that God burns passionately? That God is a consuming fire? You know, one of the things about gods, lowercase g, 
is a God. A lot of times we believe God just controls humanity and has power. But one of the things that a God is capable of doing is demonstrating and inspiring. In other words, God's set their worshipers on fire. Think of sports for a moment. Some of us, we've got some, some sports uh, heroes and they inspire us. Now, not everything that inspires you is, a, is an idol and not everything that inspires you is a God. But if you think for just a moment how many people worship the movies, they worship music, they worship money, they worship their families, they worship jobs, th those things that set a person aflame and inspire them to go above and beyond and do. I have to check what is it that's burning in me? What is it that's inspiring me? What is it that gets me moving? Because I've got to be able to measure in my heart and go, wait a minute, I ought to be inspired and moved by Almighty God. God wants to inspire you. God wants to set you ablaze. God wants you to passionately burn for him just as he passionately burns for you. That's good news. Here's the thing. All fires require fuel. In fact, the, the size of your fire is going to be proportionate to the fuel that you've been feeding it. So if your fire's been put out, the question you need to ask yourself is, what have I been feeding my fire? Because Netflix and social media will not keep the fire burning. Prayer and the word will. And we can be slightly inspired by others. You're listening to this podcast and I pray it would inspire you, but ultimately I've got to feed the word of God to you. That's what has to happen. Are you filling your life with God's word? Are you hungering and thirsting for righteousness? When's the last time you said, Lord, set me ablaze once again? Now, the passion and the fire that God has is a passion and fire that demands your allegiance and your worship. I have to ask, why is God so intent on us people worshiping and being consumed with him? I was scrolling through some different topics and some different blogs and I stumbled upon a blog by John Piper. And in a nutshell, he says this, love labors and even will suffer to enthrall uh, that thing that is eternally, infinitely satisfying. In other words, when you love something, you wanna give it the best. You wanna satisfy it. A lot of us wouldn't know this because we're actually not in love. Some of us, we don't know what it's like to give up a family or to give something, a job, our full attention and our everything to go all in. You know why? Because we don't actually love it. In fact, a lot of us don't even know how to go all in for ourselves because we do not love ourselves. God wants to put a love in your heart. God wants to fill you with his love. Listen, John Piper goes on to say that God's love labors and suffers to break us from the bondage and idol of self in order to give our affections on the one who is best, God. So listen, God, because of his infinite love for you, wants to give you the best. What's better than God? Therefore, God wants to give you himself. So this is the reason why God is so focused on you. Hey, make eye contact with me. Hey, be connected with me. Why? Because he loves you. Can I say that again? God wants you worshiping him because it's in worship that there's an exchange where you give him everything and you receive everything he's given to you, which is himself. When you understand that your life was created to demonstrate his glory, then you're gonna to begin to understand why you are eternally redeemed 
My friends, you have been eternally redeemed so you can experience his eternal presence. Isaiah 43, 6 and 7 tells us about this. It says, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory. That's right. You were created for God's glory. Let me be clear. When you begin to dive into this and you're understanding your value and your worth, that we're really not discovering our value and worth at all. This isn't about how unique and how special you are. Actually, to the contrary, when you get a glimpse of the fire of God, when you get a glimpse of the passion of who he is, you ought to take a step back and say, what is man that you're mindful of me? You ought to leave with a conviction and you should be asking yourself, what does God want with me, O wretched man that I am, that you would receive me as one of your own? When you have an encounter with God, when you experience his passion in the fire once again, you ought to be questioning because one of the things that you'll stand awestruck about God is that he loves you. What is man? What is man that you're mindful? I'm reminded of a trip I took to Telluride, Colorado made it up a mountain, seven switchbacks with a broken mountain bike. When I got to the top, I realized how small I was and how big the world was. Peering down into that valley, I was inspired. I was taken back. God is a consuming fire. So when God delivered the nation of Israel, the Hebrews, from the slavery and captivity of Egypt, if you go into the Pentateuch, the early books of the Bible, and you just start reading through Genesis and read a little bit of the Exodus and how they traveled, God wanted to establish himself as a holy God. That's right. The fire of God demonstrates his holiness. I want to say that again. The fire of God demonstrates his holiness. So God defined the terms in which his people would interact with him. But somehow we've done away with that. We've begun to tell God how he can interact with us. We've begun to draw it out and say, God, here's how you can interact with me. You can meet me here. You can meet me there. You can meet me on a Sunday. You can meet me within the boundaries that I'm setting up. But that's not how it works. God established the boundaries. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Set yourselves apart. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You see, the fire of God drew Moses into God's presence. Exodus 3, 5. But when Moses got to the top of the mountain to to see and inquire on what is this fire, the first thing that God did was say, you can come this far, but no more. That's right. The fire of God established a boundary. The holiness of God established a boundary. God made it clear. I called you to myself. I drew you to myself. The fire of God draws us, but you can only get so close. From the get-go, God established boundaries. The fire of God demonstrated the holiness and established the boundary. So the message is a worship and holiness in order to habitate with God. Do you want to have a deep relationship with God? Do you want the fire of God reestablished in your life? Listen, the fire of God draws you. It calls to you so that you can experience the holiness. But you have to meet God on his standards. Exodus 19.6, God says, And this nation that I'm redeeming is being set apart to be a holy nation of priests. These are the words to speak to the children of Israel. See, you and I, we're not able to rise to the standard that God calls us to on our own. In other words, God is a God of fire. And in order to walk in the glory, 
glory and to have a relationship with him, we need to catch fire. We can't set ourselves on fire, right? I said, God set us on fire. We need a God that's going to set us ablaze. God knew this, so he sent Jesus to baptize us in fire (laughs) that we may also be set ablaze. I want to ask you this question. Do you want to catch fire? We'll talk about the fire of the Holy Spirit uh, in a later podcast. I, I want to just talk a little bit more about the demonstration of God as fire was actually intended to convey dependency because we do not have the ability to burn on our own. See, fire provides illumination. Fire is a means to build. Like we need it to, to in order to, uh, like a kiln for bricks, for instance. Fire is required for making tools and pottery and cooking. We're dependent on fire. Almost all cultures have been relying on fire in order to advance spiritually. We need the fire of God to also advance, to understand dependency on fire. Uh, Let's take a look at uh, Genesis 2-7. It says, And the Lord God who formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Now, the word man and fire, they're actually derived from the same root Hebrew word, nefesh being for man, esh being for fire. Nefesh refers to sentient, life, breath, soul. Fire comes from that as well. I found that extraordinarily interesting. They're related. So you've got to understand the process for building fire in ancient times and really how people still make uh, primitive campfires. So in ancient times, fire was made with a bow drill, and a little bit of tinder, okay? So some of you have seen the bow drill. It looks like a bow and arrow, and of course, tinder is just a dried material that can easily set fire. Typically, the tinder would have been like dried grass or possibly bark fibers. And so you got four components uh, to building a fire. You've got the fire board. It's gonna be a piece of wood. Um, it had a flat V shape on it with an edge cut off. And then you had the bow, and then you had a rod and a handle. It was a round stick with a pointed end. And so the fire and the tinder are compressed into a ball and it's put on the ground. And then the fireboard is placed on top of the tinder with the V-shape cut over the tinder just a little bit. And then the string of the bow is wrapped around uh, the rod and then you begin to move it back and forth. Some of you have seen those survival shows. And so as you pull it back and forth, the rod spins on the fire uh, board and the fine wood dust that's shaved off, it, it gets deposited into that little V area and it begins to fall on top of the tinder. And the, the faster you pull it, the more heat it begins to create and the smoke begins to rise. And as you drill into it, all of a sudden, the, the smolder falls into the tinder and then the one making the fire would gently pick it up and begin to blow. He'd blow on the dust. He'd blow on the dirt, and as he blew, the breath would set the tinder on fire. And see, you've got a contrast here in Genesis. It says in the Lord God, the Lord God is like the one starting the fire. He forms the man just as the fire maker forms the tinder together. God forms the dust. And then it says that the Lord God began to breathe into the nostrils the breath of life. Just as the one making the fire begins to blow his breath into the tinder to bring the fire to life. And it says that man became a living soul. And as the fire maker blows, he sets ablaze the fire. 
So what's the significance? Why am I talking about making campfires? Because you need to understand that the fire starter is the one who set your soul ablaze. But sin has severed your ability to burn as God designed you and intended you to burn. You were intended to burn deeply and you have a deep need for God to set you ablaze once again. In other words, sin has extinguished the fire, the passion, the presence of God that once burned in our souls in Adam and in Eve they were set ablaze but when sin entered in the fire was snuffed out you were designed to burn for something you were designed to be dependent and satisfied by God the fire of God is intended to convey the elemental transformation that really should take place Exodus 3, 2 and 3 says the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Moses, in the flames of the fire with a brush. Moses saw that though the brush was on fire, it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the brush not burn? So for this bush to be able to burn with such fervor that it illuminated the top of the mountain, it needed to burn intensely and brightly, yet the fire did not consume it. This is one of the most miraculous things about the fire of God. Listen, in order for a vessel or an object to contain the fire of God, it has to be transformed into something else. This bush burned brightly, but it did not get consumed. That's not what normally happens. In order for this plant to house and demonstrate the presence of God, God had to do something in it. God had to do something supernatural. Uh, the plant then testified to the glory of God, and by doing so, it drew Moses. Could it be that God's plan for you is to change you and transform you so that you can house the fire and the presence of God once again? The fire that was snuffed out in the garden. Man has spent the ages looking for something that'll burn in him. Man has created their own gods, their idols. They burned with lust. We've gone looking for something to satisfy. Oh, the fire was snuffed out. When the presence of God was snuffed out, man has journeyed looking for something. But I believe that God wants to set the soul ablaze once again. When we ask for the fire of God, we are asking to come to know the holiness, the dependency, the transformation, just as the fire descended to the top of the mountain and caused the bush to burn brightly. It required a transformation. And I believe the awe, the wonder, the splendor, the majesty of God is wrapped up in this. Despite all that we're not, God still loves you and he wants to reside in you and he wants to set you ablaze. This is the awe of God holy, consuming, putting us in a place where we are nothing but dependent on him. I want to ask you, what do you burn for? Are you dependent on God? Are you prepared for the fire of God to visit your life, to be reestablished and restored? Listen, before God is going to pour the fire out, you got to ask him, prepare me as a vessel. Get me ready for what you want to do. Get me ready for what you want to do. I'm going to pray a powerful prayer over you. I'm going to pray that as we walk through this journey and talk about the fire of God, that God would prepare you for what he wants to do. We're, we're on the cusp of historic times. I believe we're on the edge of another great awakening, of another mighty outpouring. 
And I believe what God wants to do, it's not meant to be housed simply within a church over here or a church over there. I believe it's the kind of revival that it's going to set the streets on fire once again, where the Spirit of God is moving sovereignly, that everywhere, every church that lifts up the name of Jesus, every believer that's bold in their faith, in their job, wherever they are, that you are going to be a burning bush for His glory, drawing people just as the bush drew Moses, a man, a shepherd from the base of the mountain, meeting God at the top. Do you know that was the last we ever heard about Moses, the shepherd of sheep? From the moment he had an encounter with God, Moses came down, the shepherd of a nation. I believe God wants to do that in you. Don't doubt it. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, We've taken a couple of minutes to just meditate on the fire of God and the visitation of God, that the fire would visit our lives. Oh, Lord, come and burn once again. Lord, I can't help but pray and ask you, Lord, would you breathe on us? Breathe on us, O breath of God. Bring the fire back into my soul. Come on, I need you in agreement right now. Say, Holy Spirit of the living God, breathe on my soul. Breathe on me. Bring me back to life that I would burn once again. Life has been hard and difficult and heavy. And the enemy has gone after me trying to snuff out my passion for you. Oh God, but I know I was designed to house the presence and the glory of God. Breathe on me. Set me ablaze once again that my life would burn bright for you. And as I burn, your light will be seen and people will be drawn to you that I would be a fount of revival, that I would be a burning bush of revival in the mighty matchless name of Christ Jesus. We ask this, I believe this, we're on the edge of the visitation of the fire of God. Thank you for joining us. If today's message encouraged you to keep running the race, we invite you to share this message with others. You can join Pastor Aaron weekly at Garden City Church in person or online. Till next time, keep pressing on.